Hi, and welcome to the Heights Baptist Podcast. My name is Lee. I'm the lead pastor here at Heights, and uh, today I'm joined with our worship pastor, uh, Pastor Matt Hogan, who leads our worship in media uh, areas here at Heights. And on our podcast, you're going to find practical episodes such as this that are designed to help you take your next step of faith. So you can find previous podcast episodes and also our previous sermon episodes. Uh, And through the ministries of our church, we desire to love and lead all people to a new life with Christ. And this particular episode, Matt, is the conclusion of kind of our deacon series. Yep. I don't know if we actually officially titled it that, but we've done uh, two episodes up to this point. The very first episode focused in Acts chapter 6 on the birth of the deacon ministry and how that came about and the nomination process uh, and then some qualifications there. Mm -hmm. Then last week we looked in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and kind of this list of deacon qualifications um, and we split the list. Yep. I think we did five last week. We're going to do four this week. Um, and so just kind of maybe catch us up a little bit on, on where we were last week. I don't know if you want to read First Timothy chapter 3. Let's pick up in verse 8, and we'll just read on down to verse 13. Yeah, I'll do that. So we actually covered uh, verses 8 and 9 last week, but I'm, we're going to read it again just to, again, context is key. Right. So the more you can kind of read around what you're going to talk about, it gives you a better frame for what we're, what we're studying. So uh, we're in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and Paul is explaining to Timothy, these are the things that you want to look for when you're um, putting people in positions of leadership in churches. In the first section, he talks about verses 1 to 7. He's talking about uh, pastors. Mm-hmm. And then he, he shifts gears in, in verse 8, and he talks about uh, qualifications for deacons. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go ahead and read okay. um, 8 through 13. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold to the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. The wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, excellent. Thanks for doing that. Because right now in the life of our church, we're taking nominations for deacons. Right. And that's a process. You know, we, we've given three weeks for folks to, members of our church, to fill out a ballot in person, or they can do that online through a, a link that we email them out uh, each Wednesday, also with the previous podcast episode, so they can listen, <laughs> listen or watch. Uh, and then, you know, through that, then we, we get the nominations from the congregation and the deacons begin sorting that out and, and looking at who, you know, was nominated and then begin talking to some of those nominees um, because that brings us into verse 10 in that kind of testing period. And so what we have here is a six-month period uh, where we do some training mm-hmm. with, with those that are nominated. We go over some theological things, you know, what's the gospel, and but also practical uh, you know, how do you share the gospel with someone? How do you read the Bible? How do you teach someone to read the Bible? And then also the practical ends of what do deacons do? Right. You know, how do we serve within our congregation? And there is that, I think, um, you know, little hidden um, part of verse 10 as far as the qualification folks maybe don't always see. But if 
you know, let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. So we want to look for people who are already serving right. within our congregation. So this is a service position. You don't want to nominate someone who does nothing, right. you know, besides just show up on a Sunday and listen to a sermon and hear some good music and go home. You know, mm-hmm. you want to look for those that are serving. But that, that blameless qualification doesn't mean perfect men, you know. Right. Because right. otherwise you wouldn't have anybody. Right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have any pastors. You wouldn't have any deacons. Right. You know, so you, you can take the blameless or another way of saying that is maybe above reproach mm-hmm. to where I always think about it. It's a, it's an accusation that doesn't stick, you know? So if someone comes and gives a, an accusation against someone's character and says, you know, Hey, Matt is this, this, and this, then whoever they give that accusation to should know you well enough to go, not Matt. Like, are you, are you talking about the same guy? <laughs> like, yeah. this is a different Matt than what we're talking about, right? You know, so it's, it's that kind of blame. It's not a perfection, right? but it's something that's not going to stick. It's, it's, it's character, you know, across the board that's good and godly character. So, so as we get into today's um, part of the qualifications, where we left off last week is verse 11 the wives, again, this is probably sometimes overlooked in deacon qualification discussion. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. What, what is Paul getting at in verse 11 there? Well, I think it's important to remember that um, deacons are going to be, they're going to be leaders in their family. Right. All right. And so you're going to see, in, in the, as we're kind of finishing out this list, um, Paul has some things to say about, you know, kind of like who you're married to and then also kind of what do your kids look like? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of teamwork involved. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've mentioned a couple of times that when deacons are engaged in helping the body, right. sometimes they're going to be dealing with sensitive issues. Sometimes they're going to be needing to keep things in confidence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, whoever you're married to is also going to need to be able to keep things in confidence. Right. You know, when, uh, when my wife and I are discussing a situation that's going on in the life of the church, like we have an understanding that if, if I bring her into that circle of confidence because I need a female's point of view, because I need some advice, because I need an, I I need, need some insight. Like there's a, there's a, there's a wall there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, that doesn't mean that my wife hears every single thing that's right. told me in confidence, but she's one of those people that I can bring into my circle yeah. because I trust her. Right. And deacons, their, their families, the people that they're married to are going to need to function that same way. So right. it's not just important that you see, you know, a, a guy who's able to keep his mouth shut when needed, but he needs to also be married to somebody who can yeah. maintain that same um, confidence. Yeah, no, and I, I agree because... Uh, and and then also the wives are they serving, right? You know, do they represent the church well? Do they represent Christ well? Um, are they kind of level-headed? You know, Paul's getting at that. Or are they hot-tempered, hot heads? You know, who are who are going to kind of fly off at you know on on things angrily all the time? And so there there have been times where in in my ministry um, I've not recommended men. Because they, you know, I, I could go, hey, they're, you know, all right, we got the list, but, but their wives weren't there. Mm-hmm. The wives weren't ready for that. And I'm right. like, well, hang on, we, you know, we, we've got to look at that and, and help the wife disciple her enough to get her to that spot to, to fit that qualification. Because it's important. Yeah. Now, when some 
uh, churches come to this passage, they they assume based on what they're reading here that that a deacon has to be married right. in order to be a deacon. What what are your thoughts on that? Do they need to be married, or is it okay for there to be a single person who's a deacon? I believe there it's okay to be a single person as a pastor or a deacon. You know, because in and also the, the pastor qualification here, it's going to be husband of one wife. And, you know, and so I do think that's okay because one of the arguments we really could make is if, you know, single, not being single, or, or excuse me, being single disqualified you from being a deacon or a pastor, then that should be said. I mean, why didn't Paul go, right. okay, hey, you have to be married. Right. You know I mean, like, that's something we can reason out. And of course, Paul we do not believe was married, and some right. of the other apostles weren't uh, married. And, and Paul speaks about his singleness a lot of times in 1 Corinthians of, you know, hey, it's almost to my advantage I'm single because I can go and travel and do mission trips and he can speak focus, around. I can, yeah, you he know, can focus 100% of his energy on um, ministry. On the ministry. He, that, doesn't need, right. he doesn't have a family that yeah. he's having to take care of right. also. Yeah, you know, because he might have thought twice every so often on Hey, do I want to get thrown in prison on Thursday or Friday or right. <laughs> when's the kids t-ball game again on oh, Saturday? All right. Can't go to prison this weekend for Jesus. You know? So, I mean, you know, I, I don't think it does disqualify a man if he's, if he's single, you know, because again, we would see that I think very explicitly mm-hmm. said, you know, if it was that uh, important in that way. So speaking of marriage, then we, we get verse 11, uh, or excuse me, verse 12, uh, let deacons be the husband of one wife managing their children in their own households well. I think we really could probably spend about 30 seconds on this one because everybody in all of Christianity agrees on husband of one wife. Yeah, we've hit our, we've hit our <laughs> controversial one for this week. Yeah, last week was alcohol. What yeah. do we do with not giving to much wine this week? Husband of one wife. So again, and I think as we get into that part of the discussion, we, we probably need to say this more than once in, in this part of the podcast, there are people who are on all kinds of different spectrums of what this means, mm-hmm. who love Jesus, that we can work with, that we can fellowship with and worship with. And, you know, looking back a couple of weeks ago on the, the levels of tier issues within a local church, you know, we said tier one are really, what do you believe about God, the gospel, the Bible, Holy Spirit, you know, that's, those are things we're not going to dead compromise on, tier two, tier three. So it'd almost be like a tier two, tier three to where you and I may not completely agree, but we, boy, we can be brothers in Christ and right. be on the same staff. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, I do want to, uh, with her permission, uh-huh. I did want to mention that my wife and I do not agree 100% on what husband of one wife means. And there are times we've gotten in discussion, Bibles are open and verses are being pointed out and faces get a little red. And at the end of the night, we're still in the same bed. Yeah. <laughs> and 18 years later, we're still married, you know, and, mm-hmm. and work together and fellowship together and love each other passionately. And we don't agree totally on this. So husband of one wife, I'm gonna let you take the first crack. Husband, husband <laughs> and wife. Well, I mean, on its face, it seems pretty obvious. I mean, right. and, and we live in a culture where, 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 being married to more than one person isn't really a thing. Yeah. So that 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 particular like like bigamy is not really something that we're going to deal with in our context. Right. Um, the the Greek that's being used here uh, literally means the literal translation of the Greek is uh, a, a one woman man. Right. Um, because that word wife 
can also means woman, yeah. and then man and husband. It can mean, so you have to figure out what exactly is being said by context. Right. But literally, word for word, what it's saying is a one-woman man. Uh, to me, the most obvious translation of, or the most obvious interpretation of that is, is a man who is faithful to his spouse. Mm -hmm. All right? And that means a man who's not cheating, right. a man who's not running around, yeah. you know, a man who treats his wife faithfully. Right. You know, that, that I think, is the most obvious um, understanding of that. The big question that, that becomes very controversial is how do you handle the issue of divorce? Yeah. Because a, a lot of people and people who love Jesus and right. believe the Bible um, see this and say that if you've been divorced, if you've been married more than one time, right. therefore you are no, not a husband of one wife because yeah. you've had more than one wife right. and therefore you're disqualified. Yeah. So this is, that's where this one gets really sticky. Right, and that's where we, she and I disagree, my wife and I on, on the, not the faithfulness of marriage part, but what about the divorce, right. you know, because that is something I think we miss in that context of the discussion is Paul is saying one woman, man, like look at the marriage that the person's in, right? What's that marriage looking like? Is it a good godly marriage or, you know, um, what, what's the context of that? But let's go through the divorce part because again, people are all over the map on that. Uh, there's really kind of a couple of ways of looking at it. First is pre-salvation divorce. Um, there's going to be plenty of Christians who go, well, that still disqualifies them because one woman, man. Right. There's going to be some that was like, hey, that's pre-salvation. I mean, goodness, none of us would fit this qualification list pre-salvation with things we did or said. And so covered by the blood of Jesus, forgiven. Mm -hmm. What would be kind of another spot of that, of how we work through the divorce part? I think you have to evaluate what was going on. Okay. And, and, and that's why I'm, I'm going to really lean into the idea that you're going to evaluate the issue of divorce almost on a case-by-case -case basis. Okay. Yeah. Because um, now the Bible makes it clear, like divorce is not a good thing. Divorce right. is a bad thing. You know, Jesus teaches on divorce. Yeah. And G Jesus basically teaches like, no, no, no. Like what God has brought together, let no man separate. That's, yeah. that's where that, you know, that little part of the, the marriage ceremony, the, the traditional marriage ceremony, I mean, that comes straight from the pages of scripture, yeah. you know? And so, so, uh, you know, divorce in Jesus day was really, really easy. Mm -hmm. there, there's a rabbinical um, text that says that all you had to do to put down why you were getting divorced was that she ruined dinner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, if she burned yeah. the bread, right. that was enough for you to say you're divorced. And of course, and think about that culture yeah. where, where, where a man says, oh, I don't want to be married to you anymore. She's cast out. She has no one to take care of her anymore and she doesn't work a trade. Right. So, so, you're so, so you know, Jesus grew up in a culture where, where if a woman got divorced, I mean, she was being thrown away like garbage. Yeah. And she was going to end up, you know, begging or selling herself on the street corner mm. be, unless she had family to take care of her. So it was yeah. a, it was a, a terrible situation. And, and, and Jesus speaks into this, says, no, no, no. Um, but then even in the Gospels, there's certain, uh, both Jesus and later Paul both talk about there being certain circumstances where right. divorce is permissible in the life of a believer. Yeah. You know, one of the most obvious things that Paul talks about is he says, if you're married to somebody and you get saved and the person you married to still isn't a believer and they decide they don't want to be married to a Christian and they leave, right? that's okay. Yeah. Like you don't feel like you need to stay single for the rest of your life. If you're, if your spouse leaves you because right. you've found Jesus and yeah. they haven't, yeah. you know, it's okay 
yeah. to, to find somebody who loves Jesus and get married. Right. You know right. that. You know, and then there's yeah. um, another one of the ones that that's mentioned in the Gospels is is the whole area of infidelity. Right. That doesn't mean you always have to get divorced right. if there's infidelity. Yeah. But that is a place that Scripture talks about where it where divorce may be permissible. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the way folks you know, maybe historically or traditionally in a lot of ways in some uh, Baptist churches have just kind of taken a, a no divorce period stance, mm-hmm. whether it's from the, from the wife or the husband, um, which I honestly think is just dead wrong, honestly, with the wife, because we don't, we don't get anything on the wife as far as a divorce thing. Yeah. Um, but there are some that'll say that like, okay, no period wife or husband, you know, traditionally in the life of our church for a long time, that was uh, a stance mm-hmm. here. Uh, before I came, the, the church worked through this. And now we, we kind of do. We take it a case by case. Um, let's look at that. Was it an abandonment issue? Maybe did your wife, you, you brought up the unbeliever and believer spouse thing. Did your, did your wife abandon you? You know, did you try to reconcile? You know, was there maybe counseling involved? And then finally, she just like, no. Uh, was there some marital infidelity on on her part? You know, what was the cause of the divorce? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I, I hold a case by case, but I think what's important too in that is if you are remarried, how's the current marriage? Right. You know, so even if it's a man whose maybe spouse left him in the cover of night and he tried everything he could do to reconcile and she said, no, and he's remarried, and maybe he's been remarried for three years. I would kind of go, let's give it a little time. You mm-hmm. know, let, let's, let's see how this marriage is working. Mm-hmm. Let's not rush into this. You know, mm-hmm. let's see if a new pattern of faithfulness is maybe, maybe established, you know. And so we, we look at that, and then you addressed, um, obviously, folks who, who may have spouse has passed away. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they've gotten remarried. Well, I mean, biblically, that's okay. You know, so it's not a... And I've even heard some churches say that. Like, yep. hey, you were a widow and you got remarried and you're not a one-woman man and you can't be a deacon. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? So I think in that context, as we're doing interpretation of what this verse means, the best way to interpret Bible is with the Bible. Yeah. You know, and we've got to pull back Look at what Paul said elsewhere. Look at what Jesus said. You even go back to the Garden of Eden, Genesis 2.24. God put man and woman together and, and get a good understanding of marriage. Because like you said, you know, God, God doesn't love divorce. No. You know, and of course, there are times where I do think divorce may be justifiable mm-hmm. in an abuse situation yeah. where, you know, it's not physically safe or mentally safe for you to be there. And maybe again, you've tried to reconcile and get counseling. It's not working, you know, or, or you know, a, a marital unfaithfulness issue that after time you, you've tried to reconcile and doesn't work. We, but that doesn't mean God's up in heaven, like high-fiving everybody. You right. know what I mean? Like that breaks his heart, but it's not the unforgivable sin. Right. And I feel like in churches, we've, we've treated it that way sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, that, oh, boy, you were divorced. And, oh, I mean, we, again, this is a qualification list and alcohol and divorce are not the two things of the litmus test. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the qualifications we've got to look at in its whole entirety. So. Yeah. I think it, it does. It makes a lot of sense to read this and look at 
how, what is the condition of this man's marriage now? Right. What is his faithfulness? I mean, and obviously, if he's been divorced, you're obviously going to want to look at that. Yeah. And you want to get some get some context, right. get some get some history. Yeah. But really, the question is 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 how is the Lord working in the life of right. his home now? Now, yeah. So speaking of that, the other part of that verse is that they're managing uh, their children, their own household well. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> you see, this one's the one that's like scary to me because, uh, okay, I've got 11, 9, 7, and 5. Right. So my house right now is just a hot mess. You got a house. I got a house <laughs> full of, of kids that are in very, well, um, the way my mom describes it, she says kids go through like periods of equilibrium and disequilibrium. Sure. So there's times when things are kind of like running yeah. smooth and then things get get wonky right. and right and there's a lot of wonky going on in my house right yeah. now. Just kids, you know, I got I got one that's that's a that's a preteen right. and I got a couple that are kind of little and it, it's just you know, it's it's like atoms bumping into each other. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of chemical reaction <laughs> yeah. going on in my house. Yeah. 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 So yeah. yeah, so like And one male and three females correct. in the kids. Yes. So I mean, there's there's a lot about to happen here. Yeah. And even the dog's female. Yeah. Yeah. You like and David are outnumbered big time. Very much so. Yeah. David spends a lot of time in the backyard, and I understand That's why. That's understandable. That's understandable. <laughs> yeah. So how do, with, with managing your households, because there again, there's the debate sometimes of, you know, maybe does that mean the children have to be believers in Jesus? Or maybe they were brought up in church and they were believers and then you know, they graduated high school and, and went rogue in their faith. And mm-hmm. what, how, how do you reconcile maybe some of those things? What do you think? I mean, I have my opinions on them. So, I think that it's the Holy Spirit's job to save people. Yeah. I think it's our job as parents to uh, diligently train our children up. Right. Yeah. Um, the verse in Proverbs that says, train a child up in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. Right. That's a principle. It's not a promise. Right, right. We as parents can do everything right. We can do everything that God has called us to do. Yeah. And sometimes our kids' hearts, like right. the Holy Spirit hasn't gotten a hold of them yet. Yeah, yeah. So my job is to raise my children in a home where the Bible is opened. Right. My job is to model what it looks like to live for Jesus. My job is to raise them in a way where they have an understanding, you know, to bring them, make them a part of the church, yeah. you know, open the Bible with them, do the gospel in our house. Right, right. You know, yeah. that's, that's my job as a parent. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit's job to save. Right. And so, you know, if I have a kid who gets to be a certain age and they don't want to have anything to do with the faith. I mean, that, that would break my heart. I mean, that's one of the, one of the deep fears that I have is that one of my little ones, you know, will grow up one day and say, eh, this church thing, I I don't really, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. Um, but ultimately that's, that's on, that's between them. That's between them and the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so I think what you want to look at is when it comes, when you're looking at in terms of qualifications, you want to look at, is this a guy who is doing those things right. where he's raising his children up? Yeah. You know, yeah. if you've got a guy who uh, never brings his kids to church, right. doesn't really consider it a priority, you know, we did sports instead of church when they were growing up and now they're teenagers and now they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. 
maybe that's a different situation than somebody who faithfully made the gospel a part of their home yeah. for years and then later, you know, Holy Spirit hasn't gotten a hold of them yet. Right, right. And, you know, we, we have a 15 and a 13, and our 13-year-old, uh, you know, has some disabilities. So he, you know, from the understanding of whatever faith he can have at his uh, ability level. Uh, but, you know, our 15-year-old, that's with, with David, I tell him all the time, I was like, your, your faith is your faith. Right. It's not your dad's faith. It's not your mom's faith. You're, you're not piggybacking on me to get into heaven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is your faith that I have to help encourage and develop. You know, to think about, we've, we've talked about in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what, as parents, we're doing. We're planting, we're watering, we're encouraging, we're modeling, we're doing those things. But like you said, at the end of the day, God's, God's got to give the growth in their life. They've got to own that. They've got to be their own you know, believer. And so I, I, we, we ran into a situation in a previous church with this. It was a, it was a good godly couple. They led uh, our kids ministry and I mean, just knocking it out of the park, kids coming to know Jesus. And they were very faithful and they had a grown adult son who he went wayward, you know, mm -hmm. he's brought up in the church, but he was in his mid twenties ish. If I remember right, just went wayward. And there were people like, no, he can't be a deacon. I'm like, what are you guys thinking? I mean, like, that's a, he's a grown man at that point. Right. Like, he's making his own faith decisions. He's no longer, and he was married. So it's like, he's no longer even biblically under his dad's household anymore. Right. You know? and, yeah. so, and we know this couple now, and from all we can see as a church is a period of faithfulness. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think there is that. We, we have to look at how, and there again, those are good conversations. How are you? sharing the gospel with your kids. How are you modeling that at home? How are you doing those things? But again, it's that, it's that kid's own and then teenager and adult one day. That's their own decision, you know, at the end of the yeah. day. So Maybe sort of the other side of that question might be kind of this. If you, if you have a guy who's a good godly guy, but who's got a family that's in crisis. Right. If you've got kids in the home yeah. that are going off the rails. Yeah it might not be the right time. Right. It might be a situation where you, where you lovingly, you know, say to this guy, we love you. You are an incredible man of God. Right now, you need to focus yeah. your energy, energy on there. dealing yes. with yes. the crisis that's going on yes. your, or the crisis is going on with your kids. Right, right. And maybe, maybe you know, let the, let the Lord bring healing into that situation. Right. And then maybe later, yeah. you know, so I, I, I mean, yeah. I think there's a place for that. Right. Right. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, would necessarily disqualify, yeah. but it might be a question of timing. Yes. You know, yeah. if you've got, if you've got somebody who's a good godly guy, but they've got maybe some teenagers that are in some real trouble. Yeah. It, yeah. it may be time to let them focus their energy there, right. you know, rather than need to split their energy between how yes. they're taking care yeah. of their family yeah. and taking yeah. care of the, yeah. um, the family of God right. in this particular yeah. way. Just say, hey, not this, not this go around. Not this so go around, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. We see this in you. We, we think you could be great at this, but not right now. Doesn't seem like good timing. We'll go. Well, our last um, kind of point here in verse 13 is for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So I'll let you kind of have the final word on that as far as you know, this is a, a good thing within the local church to help and to serve in. And, and uh, so how would you encourage maybe folks 
now thinking about those nominations or maybe somebody who's going to get nominated who's listening and going, oh, I don't know if I could do this. Yeah. <laughs> well, because it's not going to be easy. Right. Yeah. It's you know, not it's going to take time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, one of the first questions I thought as I've been thinking through, you know, who are who are the guys in our church that I think would just do a fantastic job with this? First thought that I had is like, some of the guys that I'm thinking of in my mind are going to be like, dude, I ain't got time for that. Right. <laughs> I got 12 other things going yeah, on. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, but Paul here is encouraging us that this is a, this is a good thing. It's a good thing. You know, yeah. this is a good thing for, right. for, for the body. Yeah. You know, one of the things, one of the ways that this is going to be a real blessing is these are going to be guys that are going to be models mm -hmm. to other people. You know, yeah. what does it look like to serve your church? Look at this guy. Right. What does it look like to raise your 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 family and to love your wife well? Look at this guy. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a visible. Um, they're going to be. There's going to be. They're going to be a visible model. Right. Of of how to do those things. Yeah. And so it's it's a it's a good thing. It's good. It's worth it. Yeah. It's good, and it's a faith growing thing for them too. Not yeah. only for the the church they serve, but for themselves and their families. That's good. All right. Well, appreciate all your insight on that. That was that was fun to get through those three episodes. We want to thank you for watching or listening on your favorite podcast app uh, today. And next time we're back, we're going to be back in our beautiful mess, First Corinthians series. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about church discipline and, and accountability and oh, what that, that looks like. Fun at all. So, I mean, the topics just keep getting lighter over here. <laughs> and then we'll do lawsuits and when, when, or, you know, should we sue each other or not? I mean, so be a fun couple of weeks. So we want to enjoy, invite you uh, not only to tune into our podcast, but if you are in the Alvin Manville uh, Pearland area to join us in person, uh, we are in person for our worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. If you're not able to join us in person, we'd love to worship with you online. And at the same time on Sundays, 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., you can find us at the Heights Baptist Church Facebook page or Heights Baptist Church uh, YouTube page. And we love to worship with you there as well on Sunday mornings. And so until, the, until we see each other again, I hope you have a great week and God bless.